you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now, here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi, and hello, football fans. It's your old pal, Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on Stitcher, iTunes, and NFL.com slash Shaq. Well, it has been a long season, and this is our last podcast from Studio 66. Maximum strength! Because, of course, soon after we wrap this up, we will jump on an airplane or maybe into an automobile. I don't know how everybody's making way from Los Angeles, California, over to Phoenix, Arizona, slash Glendale, Arizona, for Super Bowl 49, but uh, this we will be over there all next week. I encourage you, Nate Demand, that you check in on NFL.com because NFL Live will be happening Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The three-hour show for Media Row, me, Matt Money-Smith, Adam Rank, Molly Karam, all there, and Kibitzin with, uh, with the Hoy Polloi of Super Bowl week there. And in the meantime, we'll be talking in a matter of minutes here with Calais Campbell of the Arizona Cardinals. Actually, I know in advance that he's going to be on Media Row. So we'll talk to him next week. But in advance of that, let's kibitz with him, one of uh, one of the key members of uh, one of the better defenses in the NFL. I don't know. Maybe we'll have time, fellas, to kibitz about the best defenses in Super Bowl history, in, in uh, the Super Bowl era, because, of course, Michael Bennett of the Seahawks said a couple weeks ago that his was the best defense in Super Bowl history. I get it. It gets a little hyperbolic there. He's swept up in the excitement right now, and uh, but I don't think he's probably right about that. But anyway, we'll, we'll kibitz about that. In the meantime, you may have heard there are a couple of big storylines going on 
um, with regards to these two teams playing in the in the Super Bowl. Let's get into it here and now. We'll first say hello to our pal from NFL.com. You see his power rankings. He'll soon be issuing his official pick. Ooh, speaking of pick, the uh, the uh, football baby made uh, made his football pick. Uh, but you're not going to see it for until next Friday on NFL Live. So keep an eye. Genius. Thank you, AJ Hawk. And, Not uh, for and, you. That was a football and, baby. And condolences. Yeah, well, condolences to Hawk and the uh, and the Packers fans. I don't care. Give me all the heat and guff you want. Are you Did still I... sad about this? No, I'm, I'm kind of moving on. Good I'm, check I'm, report this week, by the way. A lot of good much. observations and a lot of excuses for the Packers. All right. Well, listen. I <laughs> excuses. Can I tell you one thing about that? Oh, well, the let's say, let me say hello to everybody else. First of all. All the way from London, England. He is the Miami Dolphins fan here on the Dave Damashek football program. It's handsome Hank. Oh, we didn't say <laughs> Wait, say hello, Elliot. Here's Elliot Harrison. Yes, I'm sorry. I saw your look. Uh, I forgot. Hey, how's I'm it going? What's up, Hank? How you oh, doing, hi, man? Elliot. How uh, yeah, well, wait, hey, let's play his music. We, oh, we went a whole season without getting Elliot any music. Let's play handsome Hank's music first. He's handsome, Hank. He's handsome, Hank. He's handsome, Hank. Hello, handsome. Hi, Dave. Hello, Can I Howie. say hello to Please, Elliot? Now say hello to Hi, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. Have you tried FanDuel? I, FanDuel? Yeah. What is it? Tell me about it. You know, it's weekly. Wait, fantasy. it's finished. Oh, we don't need oh, to do sorry. this, but we did Cut it better it out, than anyone. Yeah. All right, and lastly, let's say hello to the NFL media's uh, statistician here, the one who brings all the stats with a bad statitude. It's Drew Stat. That was How a real. That was a real shot across the, the uh, brow. I thought I, me and you had a, the best FanDuel read. Wait Hank. a second. Well, the a, a shot, shot across, across the, the brow. brow. Bow. What is that? Brow. Bow. Yeah. yeah. Bow. We're not talking about Joe Flacco or Anthony Davis here. We're talking or Adam Carolla. We're not talking about unibrows. Did well, those Frig- are the three Lou most Frigno? prominent unibrows. Frigno I have up. one. I don't know about that. I don't know. Um. Anyway. Anywho, let's talk about the big issues. You guys, you, Drew Statton, you, Handsome Hank, were just over in Arizona, got a little sneak peek before yeah. our, our collective visit there next week for the Pro Bowl. Was it fun? I mean, for the Pro Bowl draft thing. Was it fun? That's what we were there for. It was a, it was a terrific time. It's nice to get a little taste of the Super Bowl city and then be able to dip, dip out again and then know that you're going back again later in the week. Isn't but it? Did you see, like, Clay Matthews and those is there guys? everyone. There? And they're, they seem cheery. That's yeah, what I – that's what I – that's what I always say. I feel I, I don't like when there's any indication that the players move on with their lives because the fans <laughs> surely up in Wisconsin have not moved on one inch. With no, their well, lives. he was still crying. Oh, he was good. No. I saw some smiles on his crying. face. Did you, you did you have a handkerchief for him? Is that how did I pronounce that right? A handkerchief. Hank. One. I actually I wasn't trying to make a pun. I'm oh, not. I see. Okay. No, I would Let never me, stoop to Elliot's level. I don't want to talk about the Packers. We will move on to talking Seahawks and Patriots in just a second. But one thing you reminded me of there, Black Tie Behind the Glass, is this. You know, I, everybody, I, I've been hit up because uh, I guess I am one of the advocates um, for Aaron Rodgers or apologist, however you like it. I, You know, doesn't it matter, aside from the fact that he had a bad calf, he was playing in what we already know is the toughest road environment and he was playing against what is clearly the best defense. It, I, I, does that not matter for anything? They didn't. Did? It didn't matter for some of the other players that are known as the greatest of all time, or have been known as the greatest of all time. I mean, he was. It, it, people are citing his numbers. Well, yeah, of course they're going to be a little depressed. He was playing the right. best defense in the league on their home field. They're That's citing his numbers and the fact his team didn't win. 
Well, so not exactly a, a, a stellar performance. One thing for sure, he would time. be number he would be number eleven or fourteen on the list of reasons why the Packers didn't win that game. But either way, I don't want to get into. All, all, I think I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, eleven or fourteen. I mean, that's that's pretty far down the list. I mean, maybe five. But all right, or or three or four. Bostic's no, fumble. no, no. Let's not please. Morgan Burnett <laughs> oh. sliding down. <laughs> ha ha. Clinton Dix not uh, not knocking down the two point conversion. Uh, Andrew Corliss's drop. Uh, ha ha. Clinton Dix dropping an interception. Yeah. Ha ha. Clinton Dix mm-hmm. dropping one. Not going for it on fourth and goal to start the game. Not going for it on fourth and goal the second time they were down there. That's seven right there. Yeah, those are seven. The coin flip, the coin flip in overtime, because I legitimately believe if they win that coin flip, the Packers, they at least scratch out three. Well, you and I just have a different philosophy. That's really all it is. I don't believe in in-game scenarios as being the all-important. I think what happens early in the game often determines what happens late in the game. You can't look at something in a vacuum. I mean – Rodgers' miscommunication with uh, Randall Cobb and that interception to Byron Maxwell was huge early in the game. Testing Richard Sherman when he was never open. That was another one. That was a, That's nine. Jordy right. Nelson's drop of a touchdown pass, ten. Now I've just gotten us into double digits. I think I've just made my point. All I'm saying point. is Packers could have been up in that game about 34 to nothing instead of 16 to nothing if it weren't for some really costly mistakes early on that would have rendered the things that happened later in the game, like the onside kick thing. Which, by the way, the onside kick thing was not nearly as important as people are making it out to be. Seattle didn't even <laughs> have to. important. They if didn't he catches ha- that well, ball, well, yeah, it's but over. They, yeah, but they didn't even have to kick onside there. They could have kicked it deep. They didn't have to kick it onside. It wasn't like this was, the, this was it. If Green Bay catches that ball, it's not over. All right, Handsome's getting upset. I'm not getting upset at all. I, I encourage. I, I think it's a fascinating conversation, and I'd encourage anyone listening and Elliot Harrison, obviously, to go listen to Monday's <laughs> Dave Damashek football program. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you you're can right. We're covering a lot of the iTunes same soil. You're right. And it's Stitcher. Right. And at NFL.com slash Sheck. <laughs> Black Tide's been... <laughs> Black Tie's busy uh, surfing the web. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he got him with his pants Tough down to there. Get literally, Facebook. literally and figuratively <laughs> with his pants down. All right, so let's talk about it. It's what everybody in the world, I mean, they're talking about it on The View. They're talking about it on Fox News. They're talking about it on CNN. It Probably really, BBC as well. It seems absolutely absurd to me that this is such a big story when everyone who plays the position, well, I have two thoughts. First of all, everybody who has played the position seems to be in agreement and uh, you know so I'll defer to those guys that all quarterbacks like to have the ball in a certain condition some guys like it more inflated some guys like it more deflated so <clears throat> so uh, you know I don't feel like it's a massive thing and I you know I I do reject anyone who says well it didn't affect the outcome of the game they whipped them that's not the point of course everybody gets that grow up if that, if you're just citing the score obviously it if it is in fact egregious if it's cheating then the question is how egregious a cheat is it it doesn't make a difference if the team won 100 to nothing or not um the other thing though is why you know the my the, the other side of my brain tells me this why saying it's it's deja vu with the spygate thing when Belichick said way back when that happened, it do- and everybody, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't really create any competitive edge. Then why are they doing it? Then why? Then why? Same thing with this. If if this is irrelevant, if this has no impact on anything, then why is it happening? Then why did Tom Brady do it? If if it if it doesn't really make any difference, E H handsome, how say you? 
Well, you know, for me, I you know, I kind of got uh, bombarded. I, I did a few radio interviews the other day, or I guess yesterday, and they didn't tell me they were going to talk about this, and immediately they're asking me, and it's tough. You know, we work- What did you think they were going to ask you about? Well, I mean, you know, we work for the league, and they're immediately attacking Roger Goodell, which I think that's the first thing I want to get out of the way. Roger Goodell has absolutely zero to do with this issue. Zero. He was not on the sideline with Steve Grogan squeezing the air out of football. So let's get, like, get the Ray Rice Wait, thing. Wait, Steve Grogan was on the sidelines. <laughs> he was, yeah. yeah. They don't let Steve Fine. Grogan on the <laughs> sidelines, do they? Anymore? Tony, no. Tony Eason. Uh, but <laughs> Scott Zolak. I yeah, think. Oh, I love him. It. But be, going beyond that, uh, I agree that that's the way quarterbacks like the football. I mean, I hate to, I hate to pull on all uh, Allen Iverson here, but we're talking about deflated footballs, man. I mean, seriously, deflated footballs. Who cares? Who cares? I, I mean, I get it. I get it. They they went outside the rules. But if Spygate never happened, I don't think this is an issue, i.e., if um, – uh, the Bengals played the Colts in the championship game, and it came out that the Bengals had some deflated balls. I just don't think that this would be as big a story. But because it's Belichick, right. because Don Shula a month ago was quoted calling him Belichick, because of Spygate, now it's an issue. Yeah, but if you're on trial, your your past deeds do uh, no, no are, question. Are, are relevant. I'm just, you, you don't reject those. Of I course. just pattern of behavior. Right, so I, well, I guess what I'm trying to say here, and I'm not doing a great job of it, is that I really think this is more a question about Belichick's legacy than it is about anything else because of these previous events. If it was just about the rules being broken, then I then the same amount of attention would have to be given to Brian Hoyer and the Browns doing it in a playoff game, and I just don't think that's what would happen. I, I feel like – I'll tell you this. I feel like I've been obviously pretty cynical about the Patriots and, you know, being a bit of a homer watching the Patriots beat the Steelers in Heinz Field a couple of times. In title games, I you know, I might make snarky remarks. In this case, you know – I, I don't know how to uh, – deflated balls, I don't I, – I, every quarterback seems to think, every prominent QB seems to be weighing in saying, like, oh, yeah, everybody does it. No big deal. However, I did hear on the radio uh, today, and it made me laugh uh, cynically, was somebody said, well, the Patriot way is – like, well, the Patriot way is now just – I mean, it's ridiculous. There, there isn't – you can't say that with a straight face. The Patriot way is about winning, and people are just jealous. You know, that that's the other – angle you're hearing a lot of is like people are just jealous of of Patriots no I don't think that's what it's about yeah I mean I well first of all I think if you had a good producer he'd have booked Willie or Heath to come and talk to you about this I think that that's pretty obvious well we booked Willie and Heath a couple weeks ago to talk more Pats for good Pats but that was before we knew about and we asked we asked Heath about the Spygate that was was really a shot across your brow Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) nice um, catching on but what I do want to say is, like, we know that every quarterback does something and doctors the balls before the game and has instructions for how they do it. And yesterday, um, I was talking to someone at the Pro Bowl draft who is from the NFL sort of research and development unit. I don't know necessarily what they call it. They're, they're looking, eventually, they'd like to put a chip in a football for many reasons. You can do all kinds of cool things and graphic visualization. Goal line all plays. Goal line, all kinds yeah. of things. But they have spoken to Wilson and and, and recently, and, and Wilson said that, the, all the ball doctrine that goes on is unnecessary. It doesn't actually improve the ball in any meaningful way. So a quarterback might say, I'd like you to brush it and submerge it in water for five minutes, then take it out and blah, 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 and polish it. Apparently there's a place in New Mexico where you can order some specific type of clay or mud to rub on balls that quarterbacks are now like, yeah, we need this stuff on it. Uh, it doesn't make the – Wilson would, would say this because obviously they produce this this product but um but it doesn't make the blindest bit of difference what you do this balls are still kind of 
essentially the it's same. It's anecdotal, but it's, Joe Theismann apparently said inflate what deflated to what it was versus what's standard. And just, you know, by the field test, I can't tell which is which, is right. what Theismann supposedly right. uh, said about that. But it does kind of. Exactly. But, it do, what, but I guess the amount that it was deflated does seem like kind of more than. Like, it's fine to brush the ball we'll and do all the things. Of course. But it does seem like a. like kind of a lot to take out of there when I don't know how many pounds of air in there and I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination but it, it seems like it was your English accent though would allow people to I believe could play you one are. in a movie you should do you shouldn't acknowledge that publicly you should allow we Americans to think that okay. perhaps Black Tide, he can you go back and just take that bit of, <laughs> I am a scientist in fact I studied um uh Oxford, bo- Oxford. Bo- people, yeah I'm gonna do like that, that. I am a scientist, and I actually studied the pressure of balls at Oxford University for five years. Got a, a doctorate in it. That was dirty. Um, and uh, and and I can tell you that that would have Crass made a American humor. I didn't even get it. Well, if you oh, think about man. the game situation, it, it, you know, it was a rainy day, obviously. I mean, I know Troy Aikman always had trouble throwing a wet ball. He always did. He never played well with a wet ball. You, you deflate the ball, it becomes easier to grip, which offsets the problem you have gripping it. The first thing I thought of, do you remember the 86 NLCS when the Mets in the dugout were throwing around Mike Scott's baseball? That's the first thing I thought of, him scuffing the ball. What if it came out that the 90s Braves pitchers all scuffed the ball? (gasps) No, I'm just saying, what if that came out? Because that's to me, is most synonymous. They're just like the Patriots. They keep winning every year. They don't win at all. The Patriots haven't won at all in 10 years. And if it came out that Bobby Cox had his, or was it Mazzoni? Was it Leo Mazzoni? I can't remember mm-hmm. their pitching coach. Yep. That he had them scuffing the baseballs. Would there be this kind of outrage? That, to me, would be the most synonymous with what happened. Well, sure. With yeah. You think there would? That's what I'm asking. Because yeah. I feel like it's more all about. More probably, because that's a more, I, I think that's not as murky a thing. We know that if you scuff a baseball, it creates unnatural movement. Right. Whereas but a lot we, of... we are not clear as we, uh, uh, while everybody, like I say, I was almost said Star Jones, but I don't think she's been on uh, the View for a decade <laughs> now. But whoever is on that program currently, you know, on uh, on down or up, having this discussion, the the practical thing, no, none of us really know is, you know, matter of fact, we should do that black tie. We should go and deflate a ball and just see if it, how much easier it is to spin. You so know, so much I, easier. I couldn't answer that. That's it's so much easier when you can. I mean, we know scuff baseballs isn't is a, is a wild advantage for Mike Scott and any pitcher. But some who pitchers it. said that when they scuffed the baseball, their strikes became balls. I mean, like they, they lost they, control. They lost they lose control. control right? Like so, it only worked for some pitchers. And I guess that's the point I was making is just because they deflated the ball doesn't mean it made it easier for Tom Brady specifically. Well, let me tell you this. And, and Drew Statton, you're a Raiders fan. And, you know, what it remind what makes me feel like is, you know, in an era where you see Haloti Nada get shelved for, you know, HGH. And that seems, it, you know, just again, from looking from afar, I, there's something sinister about drugging, you know, I get, you know, I, I get that all there. You could also make a, probably a pretty compelling case in the 21st century for high-end HGH, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going to advocate for that. But anyway, the, there's something about this that I find I, I find very quaint and charming. I, re- yeah. I really do. This this feels like Al Davis's Raiders kind of kind of uh, gamesmanship. You know, I don't. I, doesn't it seem WWF style kind of stuff? Like he brought a, you know, cowboy Bob Orton brought that uh, that foreign object into into the squared circle to take down Hulk Hogan. You know that kind of thing. 
it, it feels like Al Davis accusing the Pittsburgh Steelers of icing down the side, the uh, outside the hash marks to slow down Cliff Branch and stuff like that. Oh, the Boston Celtics, they, kid, they, they love the dead spots on the on, on the parquet floor and everything. Or, or you know, this is old school. So he he, he messed with Dave, the you uh, have footballs to admit a little. The Steelers knew what they were doing in the '75 championship. I don't. But, that, well, that's what you're referring to. That's I, right. Yeah, they did it. How do you know? What do you oh, know? Come on, man. I li- I'm not going to apologize <laughs> for anything that happened back then. Yeah. You know, but. Um, Anyhow, I I'm, I don't know. I, I, the thing I think is a I'm conflicted because I feel like it doesn't seem like a big deal, and yet I do think it creates this weird Super Bowl now where there is this, you know, the Seahawks are do, Richard Sherman. I I mean, it just a, gets a big yawn out of me that well Tom Brady isn't the guy who everybody thinks he is because he was saying mean stuff to us on the field oh, in 2012. I saw your that's tweet what, about that's that. That's why I talked back I like hey. Hey, Richard Sherman, guess what? Tom Brady, you were a nobody in 2012. You guys well, hadn't done a, anything. A, and B, you've been doing exactly what you're telling him, saying that he's he's been doing. Yeah, right. You, that's, your, that's you. That's your thing. That's what everyone knows you as. Trash yeah. talking. Right. And, in and his defense, though, I guess what he's saying is that, yes, everyone does know him as that, as opposed to Tom Brady, who people sometimes think he's this All-American. Well, first of all, again, mouth. you know what that is? What that's exactly like is the way the Seahawks perceive themselves to be looked at by the by the world is this disrespect? Nobody likes us. Nobody believes in us. It's only the guys in this locker room. And I know for the last quarter century, no team has won a championship without uh, without claiming that uh, that silly little uh, bit of rhetoric that no one outside this locker room believed in us. Hey, Seahawks, you were the number one seed. You're the defending champs. There are some people who believed in you. You know, this, this mm-hmm. is a, such a, such nonsense that that nobody believed. Well, you, Dave, uh, you know, I hear from the twelves. Dave, you said they weren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't mean I think that they were some crummy team who couldn't beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was doing it in a pecking order. I didn't know that Arizona was going to lose not one but two quarterbacks, and I thought the Niners with Navarro Bowman and some other returning pieces would knock them off once or twice, and then I would have been right that the Seahawks might not have made the playoffs. The point isn't that I, I have no respect for them and all that kind of stuff. At some point, you lose that argument when you have great deeds like winning a Super Bowl and getting the number one seed. Mm-hmm. So I really do. And by the way, this reminds me. I need to, you know, I go to Media Day um, next Tuesday. I do know that, yeah. And I like, I, I like asking questions of the play, You know, because it's, it's on one side, here's the, the, the thing with Media Day. You have these people who show up dressed as superheroes and clowns and whatever else, and they're looking for their 15 minutes of fame, um, Gallagher style. They just make a clown of themselves to get a little bit of heat for a couple of minutes. Then on the other side of things, they're the curmudgeonly old reporters who resent having to be there and having to deal with all those kind of people who aren't serious-minded journalists. It's, you know, it's, it's, they're too serious, and then the other people are too ridiculous. I want to find the sweet spot in the middle. Last year, I asked, uh, I asked all the players and coaches on both sides um, if this was a must-win game. And uh, and it was a lot of fun asking uh, asking them that. La- the year before that, I found Joe Flacco, and I apologized for what I for not believing in him. I, I if you have any thoughts, Czech Republic, please drop me a line with the hashtag DDFP um, and let me know what uh, what could be a, a juicy question. You're bringing the lead here. This is where you got you and Peyton Manning got in a little uh, heated exchange. No, so no, no. So I, so I wasn't Peyton heated. refuses to talk to you, right? No, Pey- no. I told Peyton last year. I'm sorry. You're right. 
I told Peyton last year, because remember, he said, whoever wrote that narrative can stick it where the sun don't shine. Whoever wrote that narrative can shove that one where the sun don't shine. Thank you, Peyton. Um, I I told him I was the one who wrote that narrative, and uh, I asked him if I could take it out now, and he said, no, keep it there. He did. And I remember. (laughs) So what should I do at Media Day this year? If you have any thoughts, drop me a line on Twitter at Damashek. So... Um, Tell Russell Wilson you you don't believe in his tears. You know what? I I'm not gonna do that, but I am gonna <laughs> I, I I am gonna track Doug Baldwin down and let him know that I now believe in him, and just to see That's if that a good one. if that flips him out. You know, I don't know what's he where really where do the Seahawks go if they if they can if they no longer can play with that chip on their shoulder? Hey, guess what? The whole world believes in you now. Where do you go? And get all the other members of the media to say that they believe in him too. But is this now? Do you feel? Yeah, like yeah. Hey, everybody, let's give let's give Doug Baldwin yeah. a hand. Let's yeah. let him know how Put much we believe in him. Put your hand up if you him. don't believe in Doug Baldwin. <laughs> All right. So now we we're uh, everyone believes in you, Doug. What else? What else have you got? Is this the? Uh, it, but now I feel like this is a this is the Super Bowl has suddenly turned into, and I I really do legitimately hope it'll change in the next uh, few days here. Doesn't it feel like this is now nobody? likes either one of these teams now that outside of the the two cities that from which they hail that nobody that people are like ah there's no winners in this Super Bowl now it's either the cheating team or the or the mouthy team I well I don't feel that way myself because I like it I I I don't know I know people love the fact that the NFL is so competitive now but sometimes it wears me out I mean I don't like parody I really don't because sometimes it's either it's another word for mediocrity, and you don't have any good. Does anyone think that when the 2012 Ravens won the Super Bowl, they were the best team in the league? Or when the 2011 uh, Giants won the Super Bowl, they were the best team in the league? I like this Super Bowl matchup because I think you can make a legitimate case that these are the best teams that their conference have to offer, and I think that's good for here, football. Here, here, smelly it, Elliot Harrison. I'm with you 100% on that. I, li- I like upsets. Upsets are great. The Jets beating the Colts in, in Super Bowl three has shaped pro football. But when when you get upsets all the time, nothing is an upset. It's just coin flipping. We could we may as well just flip coins and save ourselves a lot of or time tip if babies every... over. <laughs> <laughs> may as but, well just tip babies over. I, I I like I like an upset, but Nothing is an upset when they just caught when, when you know every game every week. Oh, what can you believe that team beat that team? Yes. Yeah, I can because yeah, it happens. It yeah. happened last week. You know. I agree. I agree I, with you. I wanted to you know circle back because we kind of left the deflated thing kind of open ended. Um, do you guys care? In other words, do you think this affects Bill Belichick's legacy? Because I wonder about that. I remember when Jim Haslett came out a few years ago and he said that the Steelers' offensive line taking steroids in the 70s is what got steroids into vogue. I don't know if you guys remember that story. Uh, it it, it kind of got brushed away, and nobody thinks of the 70s Steelers offensive line as a bunch of steroid heads, partially because it was legal back and then. And also partially because I think people who know that also know that you know most of the NFL was... Right, was... exactly. So do you think this is the kind of thing, and Spygate, that five years from now when Belichick is retired, that that will fade into oblivion, I, as Mike Tyson said? I, no, I, I think hmm. that Spygate's very different. Spygate is is cheating. Mm-hmm. Spygate is cheating. There's, they're doctoring balls, which all 32 quarterbacks are trying to do and have their own mm-hmm. way of doing. It's just a thing, and it just happens, and I think Dave summarized this pretty nicely at the top of this show, that it you know 
it, it, it happened, but it, because it was the Patriots, it's been made into a big deal, partly because it's the AFC Championship game and people need something to talk about during the week between the Championship game and the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that, you know, we've had that every year. It was, two years ago, it was Ray Lewis and Deer Antler Spray. I mean, there's, there was always something like this week that comes up. But it's, the, it's because it's the Patriots. If it was the Bengals, I think one of you guys made that mm-hmm. point earlier, if it was the Bengals, then I, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. But to answer your question, yeah, mm-hmm. though. Uh, smelly it. I do think that this affects Bill Belichick's. Thing. I mean, not, not to, I don't think to, this one will. And I think. Well, who probably, are we talking about? The, the general public? Like I say, listen, I'm but looking in, at in an hour from now, and we're recording on Thursday afternoon at around noon Pacific. Tom Brady's probably going to come out and say, "You know what? This is what I've. This is what I do. This is what I've been doing forever." Bill, I, does, I Bill doesn't it, know anything about it. I hope it. it does quell all that nonsense. I because I it, it does occur. But the the the. Uh, another little caveat, the thing that gives me a little bit of pause before I say this is completely uh, uh, – this is a, a non-story and I don't know why it's getting such heat is that Troy Eggman says, well, this is more severe than um, – what did he even compare it to? I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of what he, he – uh, the severity of it is is worse than – not Spygate, but he thinks that the, the league should hammer the Patriots on this one, that they should they really pro- get – they probably will. But Aikman also said, yeah, you know, I, 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 like uh, Elliot said, yeah, I bet you they will. They, they, they will, and that's going to be um, – Yeah, but they're not going to suspend anybody. They're I know, gonna, but if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, the if the Patriots win next week, and then on the other side of that, the league drops the hammer on them, it looks bad. It's a bad look. Optics, that's the, that's the new marketing So what marketing do you do? Do you, do you suspend Bill Belichick for the Super Bowl? No, I wouldn't Jimmy do anything Garoppolo like that. versus Russell Wilson. Uh, or, or, or do you have Josh Mc... <laughs> Well, I think no, I think Belichick would be the guy that I don't know that he would. I mean, the the one thing that, you know, the commissioner himself has been has been very serious about and it kind of, you know, didn't look so good in in that's why we've been talking about the the Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson deal through the fall is that he said ignorance is no excuse. And I think he said that about about the Saints. And Bill Belichick in his press conference this morning said, I don't know anything about how footballs get from here to here. I've never talked to anyone about it. I've never even thought about it in my coaching career. I don't necessarily buy that that's the case. I think what, what's happening is the, the blame or the opportunity to own up is being shifted over into, into Brady's court. I agree. I've been uh, noticeably quiet because I don't think I could care less about anything than I do about this whole deflated balls <laughs> thing. And no one dislikes the Patriots more than me after the tuck rule just made me cry childhood, uh, childhood tears into my, my pillow as a like 13-year-old. That's how young I am, guys. Who cares? I mean, we all know everyone di- everyone does it. Eventually, people are going to come out. And fi- I think five years from now, it, it, as far as Belichick's legacy, five years from now won't be an issue because everyone's doing it. The Spygate thing is the biggest thing, the biggest knock on him. Right. He's gonna he's gonna get in the Hall of Fame. It's not gonna have any impact. I agree. He's still gonna be considered the greatest coach of all time. Here's the problem. I don't know about. Here's the here's the problem. There. General he's, he's, opinion. The, is it it knocks him out of the conversation? It no. does. Lombardi's name's on the trophy, dude. I don't think there's any top. Whether but, it's but do you believe for a second Lombardi so driven to win, Shula so driven to win, Chuck Knoll so driven to win? In a day before mass media existed, before Twitter and before 24-hour sports TV channels, do you believe that they weren't doing, you know, they were like, we cut no corners and we take, of course, everyone, I mean, like, you know, they, like the saying is, and I'm going to butcher it now, but if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Oh, dude. It's, it's you know, that, 
There are, th- the whole way like- through, if you if if suddenly you drop Vince Lombardi into this era and, and he did the practices that he was, do- you know, not not practices for games, but the the practices mm-hmm. he had for his football team would be, you can't do that. But you, but you, he got away with it, dude. Lombardi was. It's appropriate that you mention that because the Ice Bowl, which we just celebrated, you know, because of mm-hmm. Packers Cowboys. Lombardi was very proud of this electric grid he had underneath the right, field at Lambeau. Switch it on. And apparently it didn't work the morning of the right. Ice Bowl. The Cowboys had practiced at Lambeau the day before. The Cowboys had a total speed advantage in that game and had better talented, more talent roster. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, Don all Shula, of a sudden it didn't work. 1982 AFC Championship exactly. game. Whoops, we forgot to put the top on the field. It rained last night. Good luck. Making that offensive offense work. That's right, and the Jets were a speed right. offense. Freeman McNeil, Wesley Walker. I mean, totally and then Don Shula it. got to. Well, it is interesting that some of the biggest incidents all revert back to the same handful of teams. Yep. The Patriots have the this snowplow game against Don Shula's right. Dolphins. What was that? Eighty one. Mm-hmm. No, 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 eighty two. No, eighty five. Snowplow. Snowplow. It's eighty two. Yeah. I think it's earlier. Yeah, yeah in the eighties than uh, eighty five. Um. Yeah, but uh, but you know specifically, and mm-hmm. Al Davis's Raiders are the other one that they, so really the Patriots and Raiders are the are the two neck and neck who have had the most sort of <clears throat> gamesmanship scandals, and I guess you could throw the Steelers in there because of the like you say the steroid stuff in the seventies. But what I've always said when Patriots fans throw that one out, how dare you cite Spygate as a potential. Um, competitive advantage for the Patriots when the team that you rooted for in the 70s is known to have been juicing back then. It wasn't against the rules. Well, here's the other other key um, difference. Everybody was doing it. Doesn't make it right, but everybody was doing it in the 70s. It wasn't a competitive advantage. It was keeping up with the Joneses in the 70s. The Spygate scandal, we've heard tons about. This is my my go-to every time. And, and, you know, a decade later, however long it's been, seven years later, whatever. Everybody at the time said, oh, stop it. The spy gates, everybody does it. How has there not been one shred of evidence that anyone has ever done it? Why have we never seen any visual proof that the, the Buccaneers were also, were also playing around with this? We've heard that a lot of teams did it, but no one ever, we've never seen any proof that that is the case. That, that's the key difference with Spygate. This one, like I say... Matt Hasselbeck, who is on the Colts, said we don't think it had anything to do with the with the result in this mm-hmm. game. I encourage Jack Del Rio to actually look into this and maybe start because it would help the Raiders a lot. I would love a six one season next year. <laughs> that was my knock. Cape in the, the in other the, in, team in the really lean years for the Pittsburgh Pirates when everybody else was getting busted for steroids. That was that was my question. Where come where, on? Where's the will to win, Pirates? Why why is no one getting caught with? <laughs> With the uh, with the juice, yeah, you know, you guys stink. Maybe that has something to do with it. You know, I think you make a really good point though on Spygate, and I just going a step further with that. If it was such not a big deal, then why did they go to such great efforts to hide it? If everybody, well, that's you, the question you know, with this thing too. Yeah. Is we'll see what Tom Brady has to say, and of course, you'll by the time you hear this, he'll have spoken, and I think he'll just try to diminish the import of the. Uh, of what the how, how much air the ball had in it but like i say whether you agree with it or not look on uh, right now on twitter deflate gate is still i mean and has been for 36 hours now the top thing mm-hmm. even ahead of jeff gordon who's who if you haven't heard he's calling it quits from Ooh, NASCAR. Who's jeff gordon yeah. so race car driver 
I don't really know much about him. But Belichick's tweeting, Brady's tweeting, all these things, all that. And public opinion, listen, I don't think Mariah Carey is better than Pavement, but you know what? The the American public buys more Mariah Carey records than than they do Pavement records. That doesn't (laughs) – because if everybody thinks this, if everybody's decided that this is important and everybody is against the Patriots, then of course it's going to affect his legacy. It's going to affect the way he's regarded in, in NFL history. Because insiders can debunk it by saying, well, I did the same thing. It's not a big deal. Doesn't seem to matter. They're talking about it on The View, for goodness sakes. They don't, they, what, what do they know about it? They, but they're talking about it and tis, tisking about it, I'm sure. I'm quite confident. Right? I mean, that's no, the sorry, point. No, sorry, you've you confused the hell out of me with I your analogy. I think it doesn't make it right. Like your analogy From what I gather is a band. No, I know. Oh, okay. I know who Pavement. I just, I, you could have continued with that. Without that bit, I'd be with you, but I'm still lost in the Mariah Carey Because thing. Mariah Carey, I don't buy her records, but it doesn't mean that there aren't more people out there that have an opinion that disagrees with mine. If, if everybody thinks it's a, these, these people, and listen, you can never, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, just, no, just w- can any anyone in this room throw a spiral? Of course yeah, I yes. can. I, I no throw way. it on a rope. You say that so confidently. I am quite confident. No matter how much air we put in a ball, Staten could not throw a spiral. So, well, so that speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. yourself. What do you mean? Yeah. I got a I, th- I think we need a little. We need some a DDF. Uh, uh, Fine. Fine. Let's we talked about it. it. Too, too many. Too many letters. You you ready to really uh, have your jaw drop? You know who, who would win that? Handsome Hank. He can spin it. Yeah, and he's a South. Let's do it. I'm from I'm from the banks of the Three Rivers. I just got a. I mean, I threw a perfect spiral through a wreath from 20 yards out with money pressuring me in front of your face on Fantasy Live. You just threw me under the bus. I don't listen. Do whatever you do. Whatever you want. That's fine. But guess what? I remember that. I remember it. Do you know what I also remember? Where I'm from, Pittsburgh, PA, the banks of the Three Rivers, home to Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas, Joe Namath. I'm born with the gift. It's it's not a it's not a a, an option. It's it's a birthright. I can spin it. You'll see it. Who's, you weigh, see me? who's weighing these things? I don't think You listen, can. Do whatever you, you want to do. You can prepare my balls for me. Yeah, I really hope the black tie got that. All right, real quick. Is this Let a good time to mention I didn't shower last Friday? Ah, <laughs> uh, what uh, else is new? All right, listen. For see? Pattern of behavior. That's yeah. why you're smelly at Elliot Harrison. <laughs> you betcha. I love you, it. If, you, if this were, one, were a one-off situation, we wouldn't have a bad an eye at it. But now that we know that you regularly smell badly, it's a, now <laughs> yeah. we, we've come to expect it. Um, real quick, let's talk about it here because Michael Bennett, a couple, I, I will do this in the off season. Black tie wants us to wait. Oh, speaking of things that black tie and I were talking about and smelly at Elliot and I did uh, a couple days ago, we did, uh, if you've watched the NFL's infinite DVR that we do, where we look back at old games, the original broadcast, we gave out some awards. The Lombardi trophy goes out on Super Sunday. Before that, the Vinci's will be presented. Best catch, best defensive play, a couple other things, best fun. game, some other stuff. Can't so, wait to can't wait to see that. Be on the lookout for those. Those are those are fun little award show type of things. But speaking of uh, of honoring, we in the off season will do a proper ranking of the best defenses. I guess it makes sense to see how the Seahawks defense performs against this Patriots offense and their deflated or inflated balls um, before we give a final thing. But I did promise we would do it. So real quick, do you think I'll start with you, Smelliot? Do you feel that the Seahawks are the best? Or, 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 listen, like I, I already told you my opinion. I think it's the Seahawks are a very good defense, but I mean, come on. 
get don't get over your skis there, Michael Bennett. No, I don't. I don't think it's even close. There's now, no way they're. The give me best. your top three. I would definitely take the mid '80s Bears, '84, '85, '86 Bears. I would take number the, one. I would take them number one. I would. Uh, based on if you look at the top, oh gosh, the top eight defenses of all time in points per game allowed in the Super Bowl era. So it's 1966 going forward. They're all 1977 and before. And the reason why is because in 78, that's when they had that's a five-yard right. bump rule. That's when they started letting tackles use their extend their arms. Uh, the Vikings are in there multiple times. They're in there three times. They have three of the top seven defenses of all time. So I would take the Vikings second. The Bears I took the most because uh, they have the two highest-ranking defenses after that rules change uh, comparatively. Uh, the highest of all time since the rules changes, if we're just doing a one-off season, are the 2,000 Ravens at 2.3 points or 10.3 points per game. They're ninth all time, but the previous or the eight guys in front of them are all from before that rule right. change. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. so one year, 2,000 Ravens. If we're talking about three seasons, which is what people are talking about with the Seahawks. Yeah, I don't like doing years. it the the, uh, the single season. Back. I like to look at yeah. it as an era. Kind three of. three seasons. It's hard to argue with the Purple Peter, People Eaters. I mean, literally, they have three of the top seven points per game allowed in the Super Bowl era. And in the mid-'80s, Bears, 84, they set a record for sacks. 85, they led the league in points allowed. They win the Super Bowl. What, they shut out the Giants. They shut out the Rams in the playoffs. And then they won 46-10, to 10, right, Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And then 86, they set the points allowed record for 16 games that was broken. They would have won the Super Bowl if Jim McMahon hadn't gotten spiked by Charles Martin on his shoulder. Right, which to circle back, if you want to talk about the most egregious breaking of the NFL rules that I've ever seen in my life, it's Charles Martin. You and I have talked about this the, in the past, and that, that is absolutely right. That happened one. in the 21st yep. century given social media and everything Suspended else. Suspended for a year. Ten sec. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he might have been kicked out of the game of football forever. Indefinitely He picks him up. He, if you've never seen it, Google him up and it, carries kids. him. Go on the YouTube, kids, and Google Google Charles Martin. It'll be the first thing that comes up. Jim McMahon throws the ball and is standing watching. Two count, three count, four count. Charles Martin comes up next to him, picks him up, and spikes him on his right shoulder. Jim McMahon was never the same after that. The Bears were never the same after that. that that's right. So I've, I've got And really changes the trajectory of that team and, and NFL history. I agree. If he, so if you go three-year windows, I'd say number one, mid-'80s Bears. Number two, Purple People Eaters. Tied maybe with the Steel Curtain mid-70s Steelers because the Purple People Eaters were not able to actually win it all. The 70s Steelers were. The Steelers just don't have the same stats that the Vikings do. Sure they do. 76 Steelers have those stats. Right, but I, you I wanted to go a three-year case. But but I'm fine with swapping those and going Steel Curtain 2, Vikings 3. 74, 75, and then the year 76. the Steelers don't win the Super Bowl is 76, but they have that's their best individual a single season effort, and then they go on to win two more 78, Super Bowls. Listen, I, I looked up 78 because I was curious. The 78 Steelers were in the top 20 all time. Their, their defense didn't start regressing until their last Super Bowl win when really I think, I mean, you would know better than me on this one, but the, the offense really won that uh, title, I Super think. Bowl fourteen, they start start to have some lesser pieces on the back end there. Yep. You have Ron Johnson playing cornerback. And guys are getting older, you yeah, know. Right. I mean, um, but yeah, 
I'll shout out. What real are you bad. laughing about? Drew I think Stafford? the Eagles. I think Buddy Ryan's Eagles yeah, are was, slept on. That's one that I saw with my own eyes. And you're, I mean, they didn't win a Super Bowl, but that was they. People were scared of playing that team. Think about yeah. that. I we we've talked about that as well, and maybe that's some good off-season content. Is to try and rank the best eras for a division ever. That NFC East the was NFC East tough. late '80s, early '90s is is yep. probably the most rugged, most competitive that you've ever seen because. You had the you know you you had the mighty um, like you say you, you had that defense with uh, with that but then you have Washington winning Super Bowls around there. You have the transition. And that defense was no joke either. No. Dexter Manley, mm-hmm. Wilbur Marshall, those guys. And you Mann. had the and you had Charles the Mann. and you had the and you had the LT New York Giants and that's another one that you have to rank probably. In fact, that ninety team specifically, <clears throat> pretty I actually. 86 through 90, Giants. New York Giants defense Belichick certainly is, has to rank. Belichick is coordinator. But mm-hmm. you know what's ironic about those Eagles teams with Buddy Ryan? They're actually the one year that they were freaking phenomenal. One of the best. If we're going single season, you could put the 91 Eagles up with anybody. That's the year Rich Kotite took over as head coach. <laughs> and uh, Buddy Ryan and Jeff Fisher left. Uh, so, I don't know. I think Jeff Fisher wasn't there. I'll make the case for the Seahawks. It's going to be a tough one. Okay, go, so no, bear no, with no, me. but but you know what? To bridge the gap, here's what you have to do. A, ex, a, and another one that oh, we should. Oh, TD is getting black tie. Settle down. Off. There, people have to have two weeks to fill, or a week and a half to fill before kickoff. That we we can we can have a conversation for a couple minutes about this. This is historically like relevant. Off. The Seahawks Start. defense is an all timer. Where does it rank all time? I'll tell you one more though. Uh, EH. I love you guys. And the history, but sometimes you just want to live in and out, man. All you right. Know? Well, I want to hear about your conversation. Speaking of the Seahawks and their defense, I want to hear about you appearing on a Seahawks podcast. But real quick, though, before we get into that black tie, uh, the uh, an all-time defense, given the individual pieces of it, the Kansas City Chiefs of the late 60s, oh, early yeah. 70s. They have so many Hall of Famers on that unit. Of course, I didn't lay eyes on them, so it's hard for me to tout them too much. That's a great call. Also, the dog pound. You know, those 80s Browns had uh, had some good defenses, too. But, I, you know, listen, call me a homer, but I, I'm, putting the, uh, I'm putting the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s. You'd put them over the mid-80s Bears just because they were able to win more than one? Well, I, the, the thing that I've said about that 80, about the 46 defense is they faced one QB who could pull the trigger quickly in Dan Marino, and Dan Marino defeated them. If they had played them again in the Super Bowl on the fast track of the Superdome, I think they would have done that again. I think they, I think Dan Marino, I think the Maybe antidote, so. I think the kryptonite to the 46 defense was a QB who could get rid of it quickly and burn you for uh, for an all-out blitz. Maybe Certainly so. handsome, you would uh, you would agree well, with that. Well, it happened the one time that they played. So, so yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and I think in 88, though, they opened the season and Bears crushed them. Just saying. I, I think there was more going that 85 dollars 88? Team. That's four years difference. What's well, the Duper and Clayton were still in their prime. I mean, you still had a good offensive piece. I, you know, that Dolphins game, I remember it well. They had the entire 72 team on the sidelines for that game. I think that was definitely also a case of the whole crowd being. They might have shown everyone. up for the Super Bowl, too, though. If that's if that's what it matters, <laughs> they might have turned out yeah. for that game yeah. as well. Um, all right, Drew Stanton, do it. Because, like Elliot says, a seminal change in football is the rules changes in 78. So everything prior to that, the, the, the point totals are going to be lower overall. Then you get into the 21st century where it's the so-called quarterback league and, you know, point totals are higher. So you can't begrudge the Seahawks some credit. Their point, I mean, what do they average, 15, 16 points against? Well, 
that's not going to stack up with those mid-70s teams. But, again, the rules are so wildly different. You can't mm-hmm. hold them uh, – you can't fault them for that. So throwing this out there first, that if you just look at uh, two seasons span here in the Super Bowl era, yardage allowed, the Seahawks are 97th over the last two years. And they're – it's not like we're talking like, oh, these are all 70s teams. There's – you know, obviously the Ravens are in there, but even like the uh, 07, 08 Steelers in terms of yards. Yeah, we got a couple errors. Oh, I take the 2008. I would take we'll the 2008 Steelers over this Seahawks team any day really? of the week. As far as defense, absolutely. The the what o- about the n- mid 90s Pittsburgh Steelers no. with Greg Lloyd and uh, no. Well, let's see if he, if they're on Kevin's list. Green. Well, and then if, and then if looking at looking Rod at, Woodson, that wasn't a good team. I love the players, but they didn't perform as well as LeBeau's unit. Looking points. They're 73rd, and again, we're talking best defense of all time, right? Yeah. Okay. So 73rd sem- doesn't sound like... 73rd. There are a couple of things they do have going for them, though. They're the third team in NFL history to lead the NFL in scoring defense in three straight seasons. They join those uh, the people leader Vikings. That's what it's about, is is measuring yourself against your your peer I, group. Yeah. Your current. I think the one thing that that team, you know, all the teams that you you guys have mentioned have that sort of fearsome pass rusher that that people are like, oh, you you got to watch out for that guy. The Seahawks don't really have. That That's person. an inter- yeah. It, there, it, there isn't. There isn't. Yeah, Richard Sherman. We make a big deal about that secondary here, which are terrific. You know, Michael a, Bennett's a, a good player. Michael he's Bennett's not a, a good player, but he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Bennett, Avery, and the rest. About, That's a great point because they get heat. A, yeah. But it's really the story the is, is because is the back the end back is so end, good. Which is it, you know with with the. Uh, you know, it's funny. Another team that gets slept on quite a bit is, uh, and I would be raw about this, actually. If I were a, a defensive player for the 80s 49ers, I'd be a little bit like, hey, how come we don't get a parade? Why is it always <laughs> about Montana and these guys? You know, I know people hail Ronnie Lott, but that secondary specifically was really good. And look up the numbers. They have their number one, number two, number three defense in some of those Super Bowl years, and yet nobody ever cites the right. Seahawks. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like... The Dolphins, but they had a good defense as well. Obviously, the year they went uh, went went undefeated, mm-hmm. they almost uh, shut out. Yeah, I think that defense is pretty well hailed because the offense was kind of <coughs> efficient but pedestrian. Anyway, but yeah, but I, I you're right. It is a funny uh, only the C, only the Niners of the '80s would I hold up among these great defenses that the lead item of, that was so good is the back end of right. it. It's always about you're right. It's uh, usually about dominance against the run and getting after the QB. Go ahead, Staten. Wrap well, it up here. Bring it home. One final note they have going for them is that if you're looking just in this era against their contemporaries, that you know they've only they've allowed fewer than nine thousand passing yards in the last three years. They're the only That's team. That's amazing. They're the only team to even allow fewer than ten thousand passing yards. Mm, That's wow. amazing. So the gap, you know, is certainly. I, I don't know that we've seen, you know, one defense dominate this much in an era like stand out to this extent, um, you know, especially with all of the rules that have been set up. We talked all off season about how, oh, like all these illegal contacts, the Seahawks are done. Like they're, they're going after the Seahawks and, you know, clearly it didn't, you know, yeah, there's even, I mean, I here. bet you if you even looked at the numbers from 2011 going forward, the passing numbers are through the roof. Even that, in other words, that's its own era just the last few years because safeties can't leave their feet anymore to hit receivers, which means that seam route to Jimmy Graham is there all the mm-hmm. time, you know, and, and then the illegal contact, uh, really you can circle all the way back to when the Colts and Patriots played that AFC championship in 03 and Bill Polian 
complained to the league after the game that the Patriots linebackers were putting their hands all over Marcus Pollard and those guys trying to leave the line. And so they re-emphasized illegal contact. And weren't penalties way up, by the way, this yeah. year? Uh, the hands to the face is a scourge. they got to get rid of that one. It really makes it's me crazy. It's not fair. I They're, mean, if you're pushing on a guy and he ducks crazy. and you hit his head, I mean, um, come on. Yeah, you know what? And, and to wrap it all up right here with a specific one-on-one matchup, it, it, it's uh, to me, whoever wins this individual matchup maybe wins the Super Bowl is Cam Chancellor versus Rob Gronkowski. Because if Gronkowski is the unmanageable piece for every defense, say possibly – the Seahawks. They might be able to say, I don't know if that's how it'll work, that they'll say, hey, Cam Chancellor, your assignment for the next three and a half hours is stopping 87. But it could be that simple. He's a good physical match for Gronkowski at the I very think he'd least. Get, I, honestly, I think Cam would get beat. I, I think Chancellor, if that happens. Nobody, if he can't, who's, uh, there is no, I don't. I, I put I'll a see, corner on him. I said the Jenga, the Jenga theory. I said Rob Gronkowski is the most important Jenga piece, non-QB in the mm-hmm. NFL. Take him away, that uh, that offense implodes, and this is his greatest test. So that's interesting. If, if he can deliver a going against what I think we perceive to be the best or the most rugged safety in the NFL right now, then, uh, then he'll have earned it. No tight end has put up 100 yards against the Seahawks in the last three years. Wow. Well, there's a good number right there. Yes, Black Tie, you talked on, what was it called, the Seahawkers? The Seahawkers podcast, and for my money, I'll take Earl Thomas over uh, Cam Chancellor. Yes. You're, did you see, well, did you see, I, not that this says everything, but I thought that was pretty good stuff when Cam Newton shoved uh, Earl Thomas to the ground. That He, he shamed yeah. him pretty good there. Well, yeah, he's not as physical and not, not as big as Cam, but uh, especially in coverage, I would probably take Earl Thomas. But, yeah, go back to your point. I was on the Seahawks podcast. Now, what, but first question is why. Why? why? Were you uh, well, did you promote the DDFP on the? I did, of course. Did you? No, 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 no. Well, did you really? Or you just I legitimately that? did, yeah. I spoke about, you know, Dave, Hank. I spoke about even Dan Hansis around NFL and all that oh, stuff. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I'm sure around Appreciate NFL the show. came Appreciate up. that. Coach show moved the sticks. You mentioned them all. I did, yeah. Well, if you mentioned all, then that, you didn't mention any. Come on. <laughs> but, no, they wanted me on, I guess, first of all, to thank me for standing up, quote-unquote, for the Seahawks listeners on the DDFP. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I— you know, just try to present both sides of the argument, as you like to say, playing dev- devil's damage like sometimes. And then we also spoke about the origin of the uh, sexy deep ball, which, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually ironic. Cause that the, makes um, sense. Play it for everybody who doesn't know it, Black Tie. Play what? The origin? The sexy deep ball. Well, that no, that's here. not the origin. That's the drop. But the origin of that play, actually, all that term comes from uh, the Seahawks versus Pats in 2012, week six. That game went into Sidney Rice. I watched that. I'm like, man, that's that's one sexy deep ball. And then that's when this bad boy happened. Hey, I'm Russell Wilson, and I throw a sexy deep ball. Because he actually points to that play as the best uh, pass he threw during his rookie season. So it's a fun listen. <laughs> it's a fun time. Russell Wilson doesn't brag on himself too much. I do I do uh, hail Black Tie for getting him to actually say that. Was that was a tough one, but got it out of him. He throws a Jeff Blake deep ball, He man. does. That's a good it's comparison. Yeah, throws that, that high, that uh, Jay Schrader uh, moon ball, yeah. that moon shot. Probably because he's so short. Is that a, yeah. Um, yeah, well, Jeff Blake was short, too. Um, all right. Does everybody feel good about wrapping it up here? I think we. I yeah. mean, we could carry on, but we could I leave could it as well. I could carry on. I want to 
Can we make sure, like Elliot and I have made a, a habit every Thursday through the through the NFL uh, 2015 NFL or 14 NFL season of throwing red flags at each other mm-hmm. or not in Elliot's case? Are we going to get the opportunity to throw red challenge flags for the Super Bowl? I should like to. The last the I said it last on last week's episode. That was the last time, and I gave the stats for how many flags were thrown and percentages. And then you wrong. Hey, this ain't the Seahawkers podcast. That, I, I, listen, we'll we need to do a red challenge. Challenge flag in Arizona. No, it would just be weird for us do. not to not to throw red challenge <laughs> flags on the Super Bowl. Maybe we put it out to the people. Do they yeah. want that? Would you would you like it? Oh, that's a tweet, that's a good tweet. Um, tweet black tie. Black tie at producer TD uh, is a good way to let him know. Hashtag DDFP. Let him know if you don't think it's an important thing to hear. Uh, right. Smelly at Elliot and handsome Hank go head to head one last time in the biggest game of the season. Then uh, you know. Then well, we'll you should sit. go ahead and promote what you will be doing next week in Arizona. I already did. I know you were busy. Well, do it again. You Get were busy at the top and at the bottom. Mavs well, thunder. Like I said. At, yeah, first of all, <laughs> hashtag DDFP. I'll be at Media Day for the Sheck Report. We've had good times there in the last few years. You know, I forget about it. You know what was one of the coolest things I got to do was um, I, in um, – No Sheck. Promote. The, promote. All right. At the <laughs> Dallas Super Bowl, at the Dallas Super Bowl, I got uh, up on the big screen. I got on the uh, Jerry screen or whatever they call it. I remember. Vigipore. Boy, you just found Elliot's uh, sunglasses, handsome Hank, and uh, you look quite ridiculous. In really? <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. I don't know. Is that? I, I don't know if that's an indictment of you or the or the eyewear. That's a. a it good could be that I'm wearing um, a headset as well. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty cool. There's pretty a guy cool. in Dallas that that does an awesome Jerry, and he calls that the Vidya board. <laughs> the Vidya. <laughs> that's you. Uh, no, no. There's this guy, a guy in uh, first station in Dallas that does. He does an. Aw- he's awesome. All the listeners know exactly what you're talking about right now. No, they don't. Well, you know what? So what? <laughs> it's niche. <laughs> it's niche. All right, listen. We'll wrap it up, and now we will go to. We'll get these guys out of here, and uh, and right now let's go to our conversation. Very generous uh, deed. I found out. I did this, and then I just found out after the fact. I, you'll hear Calais Campbell and I kibitz about his big uh, donation to the University of Miami. I didn't know how big it was. $1.6 million. $1.6 million legit, he gave. Man. That is not jive. Let's get to him right now. This is a man who we've talked to in the past. He lives by the uh, the Cardinal Rue here on the Dave Damashek football program. No jive. Let's hear from him now about the Seahawks and beyond. Calais Campbell, everybody. Dave Damashek, yeah. Oh, this is good. This is a guy who has seen the Seattle Seahawks twice a year now for the last few years. He's familiar, obviously. Uh, you know him, watching him on one of the very best defenses in the NFL, here he is from the Arizona Cardinals, Calais Campbell. What's the poop, fella? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm better now that I'm speaking with you. And uh, and how you doing? How's the off season going for you? Uh, you know, I wish I was still playing, but uh, you know, the off season's been nice. You know, just uh, get back and relax, man. Uh, get ready to enjoy the Pro Bowl. So it's always fun. Yeah, well, before we get to Pro Bowl and, uh, you know, and the season that was for Arizona and the Super Bowl that still shall be, what's the big announcement you made earlier this week? You know, um, I, I was able to, to give, a, you know, a pretty good lump sum of money to the University of Miami to, uh, to, to uh, get a scholarship going on a yearly basis, an opportunity that uh, allows, uh, you know, uh, one like the kid to uh, go to school there 
you know, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of a cool thing because, you know, I'm really important. You know, I really, uh, I really believe a lot in education and, you know, a lot of athletes out there, uh, you know, they always believe that they're going to the NFL and, I, you know, I want them all to believe that, but I want them all to have a great backup plan in case it don't work out because I know how hard it is to come across one of these jobs. So, um, you know, I'm trying to encourage everybody, you know, by giving a scholarship uh, just to, to focus on, um, you know, getting a good education and having a good fallback plan in case the NFL is in their college. That seems like a good idea, and I'm glad to hear you say that. And I can say from personal experience, my NFL dreams went by the board some time ago. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad I got my degree. But <laughs> but don't laugh at me, Calais Campbell. By the way, the team's name is the Hurricanes down there. I've long said it's enough. Hurricanes are a terrible thing. Do we need – shouldn't we change the way we name these things? Instead of it being – you know, it's bad enough for it to then be – Hurricane Gloria, you know, then it, it, it's a shame to, for that. To, shouldn't we name them after NFL players? What about this? Hurricane DeBrickashaw. Now that is a scary-sounding <laughs> hurricane, true? <laughs> that would be a, a pretty uh, terrifying um, hurricane. DeBrickashaw Ferguson's a scary dude sometimes. Yeah. Know? He's a nice guy, though. Yeah, no, I've I've spoken with him, but yeah, see, then it's it also takes your dignity when it's you know, hey, what happened? My house got destroyed by Hurricane Patty. You know, it's extra. It's a it's a, it's an unnecessary <laughs> extra little dig at you. You know, you you, you see yeah, what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, insult. <laughs> um, all right, but you know, by the way, like I say, I'm headed to Arizona. Real quick, do you have any food recommendations for me? Any secret little holes in the wall that I need to explore in my week in Arizona? Oh man, you know, uh, there are so many good places, but you know. I can't think of anything off the top of my mind that you really need to try, but, you know, uh, man, I wish I really could think of a place. If I could think of it, I might have to get a whore and somebody get the information to you, but... Yeah, uh, well, yeah, if you tell me the holes in the wall, then they won't be secrets, and, you know, it'll there'll be a bunch of riffraff in there, and it, it, we, we really want it to be the hoi polloi like Calais Campbell <laughs> and Dave Damashek and that, and, and just, uh, you know... Well, but what's the food I have to get? Is it... Tex Max. What's what, what do I need to be on the lookout for in Phoenix? Man, really, Miami has a little bit of things, a little bit for everybody. You know, the Tex really? are awesome. And they got, I mean, amazing seafood as you can imagine. You know, uh, but uh, you know, there's just one little sandwich spot that I mean, it's just top notch right there on the beach. You know, I have to uh, get your information for. Hmm. All right. Well, listen. I'll. Uh, maybe we can uh, catch up next week and we'll figure it out. Meantime, Calais Campbell. That makes me think. Do you are you a big soup guy? Uh, you know what? I eat everything. I'm a big. I'm a salami. That's true. You are big. So, but what's your favorite kind of soup? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I mean, it depends on my mood that it's soup. You know, but uh, you know, I love the clam chowders. You mm. know, the, uh, the chicken and broccoli. You know, uh, I mean, the chicken noodle soup. I mean. You know, uh, uh, chilies, and everything, man. I'm, I'm really uh, quite sad at heart. You know, I work hard to stay lean, but I got to <laughs> sad at heart, man. Well, that, I mean, Campbell's soup needs to come to you. I mean, this is such a natural. Get you to be in their ads. I don't know why this hasn't happened already. <laughs> you reach out no, to we them. Know how to make this happen, because I would love to be a part of Campbell's soup. <laughs> Let's listen. Hopefully they're listening right now. Hopefully uh, uh, Daryl Campbell or whatever his uh, name is, the uh, the heir to the Campbell's uh, soup empire is listening right now, and, and he'll contact you. In the meantime, Calais Campbell, <laughs> have you been able to – I imagine as a fan, when my team loses, I can't watch football for the next week or so. Have you been able to tune into these playoffs, or have you been keeping track of what's going on? 
Yeah, I actually watch. You know, it's hard for me, but I still watch. You know, because I'm I'm still a fan of the game. Mm-hmm. Now I want to see what these guys are doing. You know, how how I can be better. So I'm I'm studying. You know what they got that, that's causing the win, and what we need to get better at. So you know, I, I pay attention to every game, man. Well, what about that? Where do I mean, 2014, a terrific season for you guys. But you know, I I, I think it's it's pretty obvious that uh, when you lose not one but two quarterbacks, that's where the thing went uh, went south on you. But where do the Cardinals need to improve overall in 2015? You know, um, I really feel like you know we were so close. You know, uh, mm-hmm. just you know, I mean, we can always you know build a depth in the, the offensive defensive line. You know, uh, you know, I think uh, you know uh, we can use uh, you know uh, you know pretty solid you know uh, you know physical running guy, you know running back or something like that. You know, but really, you know, uh, I think we just need to build depth. You know, uh, we we definitely have a lot of guys, a lot of different positions that can be stars. You know, we just got to continue to build our depth. You know, I mean, the great teams, you know, those are the teams that have you know three or four guys at one position that are, are competing to play. You know, and you know when you're competing to play, it's going to bring the best out of you. What? Uh, how much do you anticipate you guys will miss Todd Bowles? Because it was remarkable with the pieces that you lost there. With all due respect to you, obviously you know some big guys went down before the season and during the season. What was it about the scheme that let you guys just keep on ticking like you did? I mean, you guys really were one yeah. of the best defenses again. You know, Coach Bowles will be definitely missed. You know, he's, he's a great coach. You know. Uh, he's a, you know, practically a genius, you know, when it comes to the football stuff, he really is a genius, hmm. you know, so it's, it's going to be hard, you know, but I, you know, I know we're going to uh, uh, get another good coach eventually, you know, and uh, uh, B.A. is such a good uh, judge of character and talent, you know, so I know he's going to bring in somebody who we can, you know, somebody we can believe in that's going to get the job done for us, but, you know, I mean, whoever comes in, they're inheriting, you know, a very talented defense, you know, and you know, guys who are very hungry, you know, and want to play hard and, and win a lot of games in their future. So, uh, whoever it is, the job should be a little easier, you know. Um, let's talk about the uh, the division champs, your arch rival, the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, we'll start with this. Who's harder to tackle, Russell Wilson or Marshawn Lynch? Two very different kind of guys <laughs> to try and track down. Who's who's scarier? It's it's fourth and goal with the Super Bowl on the line. Russell Wilson is in space or Marshawn Lynch. Calais Campbell has to track him down. I guess that would be the NFC title game, not the Super Bowl. But either way, who is more of a nightmare? You know, personally, I've had more I had a tougher time in my career t- tackling Russell Wilson. Hmm. I don't know why, but he's just he's so elusive, you know, and he's hard to bring down. You know, even Marshawn Marshawn is a beast, though, and he's tough to tackle too. But yeah, Marshawn Lynch, yeah. I've I've seen him in person, and he is massive. Certainly, the biggest running back I've ever seen. He looks more like a tight end or a D tackle. Um, yeah, he has perceptive quickness too. I mean, for as big as he is, he's he got a lot of a lot of speed, man. People don't realize how fast he is, you know, and he's smart too. He's such a smart football player. I mean, he knows how to, you know, when to keep his feet moving and finish his leverage, you know, all the stuff that, you know, you wish running backs would hmm. never know. I mean, that's the deepest player's playbook, but you know, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a real smart man. So you got to give your head out, take your head out to him, man. He's a, he's a great player, man, a great competitor, and, uh, you know, a guy that, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've always enjoyed going against the last couple of years. Well, listen, but, uh, if you enjoy him so much, why don't you do this? He's coming to Arizona, as you know, next week. After the game, just don't let him leave. He's a free agent. Make him play for the Cardinals in 2015. <laughs> How about that? 
<laughs> yeah, that would be intriguing. That would be interesting. You know, hey, you know, the front office, somebody needs to, you know, go talk to those guys and see what they think, you know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he definitely, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know as a person, but as a football player, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I respect him a lot. You know, he's he's he's, he's so talented and uh, so good. But tell you the truth, though, you know, Russell Wilson, he's young and up and coming, and uh, you know, I, I hate playing against him, but every time, you know, he's always a tough tackle. But you know, I mean, that guy, he's special too. You know, it's what he can do with his feet and how smart he is, man. Yeah, it's a, 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 team a lot. You know, it's it really is amazing. You know, credit to Russell Wilson for having just a a, a horrible fifty five minutes and bouncing back. Not a lot of guys, when things are going against them like that, can rise to the occasion in the clutch. There. Speaking of that, Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck, you've played against both of them. You're starting a franchise. Which guy would you rather have? Oh man, that's so tough because I see the potential in Andrew Luck. I see the potential in Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. And even though he, you know he's still working to get there, you know you can't go against Andrew Luck. And I feel like when it's all said and done, he might be, you know, uh, one of the best quarterbacks to ever played the game. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, I, I mean, he's only, only in his third year. They're both in the third year. They both come out the same year, right? But um, yep. I think Russell Wilson inherited a better team. You know, <laughs> a more ready team. And I think you put Andrew Luck on on the Seahawks, man. That makes him even that much harder to beat. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. That's the fun thing to do is to trade them to each other's team and then figure out what the result would be. What is, uh, as you see it, like I say, you, you see them twice a year, and in fact you went up to the clink and did uh, the near impossible and beat them a year ago. What is the Seahawks' weakness? You know, uh, you know to tell you the truth, you have to stop the run. You know, they didn't throw them off, you know. And Green uh, Bay did that for most of the game, and that's why Green Bay was successful. But once Marshall Lynch got going, they started doing his own read, and the quarterback kept it a couple times. You can tell, I mean, they just got their confidence back, just like that, you know. But if you just shut down the run and make them have to throw the ball deep to beat you, you know, uh, that's not really what Russell Wilson wants to do. Russell Wilson's mm-hmm. a great action quarterback, you know, but as a quarterback, you know, uh, just coming back in the pocket, you know, keeping them in there. You know, uh, you know, he still can beat you. He's still dangerous, but you give yourself the best opportunity. But you, you, you definitely got to stop Marshall Lynch. You can't let Marshall Lynch beat you. On the other side of things, the Seahawks' defense is obviously a, a good one, and Michael Bennett says it's the best of the Super Bowl era. I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit too far. Do you consider them the best defense in the NFL, or do you think that uh, that you guys maybe have something to say about that when yeah, when you I have your pieces? We definitely have something to say about that. They they, they do what they do well, and they mm-hmm. and you got to respect them. You know they have a lot of pieces in place, and they uh, I mean and they they do what they do well. You know, but I think that uh, when we're playing our, our best ball, you know uh, I think we're a tough team to be too. And I think our defense. I mean, when we play, both play good defense. You know, uh, I think uh, it's, it's, it's quite the match, you know. Uh, but right now they're playing good football. You know, you really can't take that from them, you know. We want to be the best, we have to beat the best. And, you know, right now they're the best team, so. Well, you do know, you uh, want them, like, you know, we talk about Miami. And, of course, you know, in college, when your conference does well, there's a certain amount of pride you take from that. But do you feel like, I hope the Seahawks win the Super Bowl, or I, I don't care who they're playing, I just want to see them suffer and lose this game? You know, because uh, I, 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 I get what you're saying. You know, I cheer for Florida State when they're playing the out-of-conference team because I want the ACC to look good because Miami's an ACC. <laughs> but when we get to the NFL, it's different. You know, I mean, it's different. You know, I did go for Seattle last year. You know, I wanted to see them win last year because our, our conference hasn't won one, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a long time. But our division hasn't won one in a long time. 
But now that they, uh, you know, have had one, you know, I'm saying the truth, I ain't gonna lie. I don't want to see Seattle celebrating in my city, man. It's just it's too hard <laughs> to imagine Seattle celebrating my city. So I'm, 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 I'm becoming a, a, a Patriots fan just for just for a week, man. Just for one day, really. But, I hear uh, you. Man. Enough's enough. Even if you want to see your your division foe win one, it's like all right, two is now. It's getting to be too much already here. Uh, I, yeah. I hear you on that one. Yeah, you can't root for them. Yeah, such a bummer for I'm sure the Cardinals and for the city because it really did. You know, as recently as six, seven weeks ago, you thought, hey, this team has a real shot at being the first home team in a uh, in a Super Bowl there. But the pieces, like we talk about, are still uh, are still there and looking bright for you. So we wish you the best going forward. Enjoy the Pro Bowl um, next week or, or uh, this Sunday, I guess I should say. And then uh, hopefully we'll cross paths in Arizona at, uh, you know, at some point. And I, I, I got to tell you, Calais, because I've told Darnell Dockett this, Patrick Peterson this. You guys are, the, I think, of all the units in the NFL, I think the defensive group in Arizona has the most fun guys on it. True? Oh, yeah. Most delightful group of fellas. Well, thank you. We, we, we really do appreciate it, man. We love playing with each other, man. It really is quite entertaining in the locker room. Well, and uh, I'm sure it starts with uh, Bruce Arians because he seems like a fun guy as well. But uh, like I say, we'll let you go. Go uh, I, go get ready for that uh, Pro Bowl. Are you going to try to tackle? You're going to do stuff there? You're going to try, you're gonna try well, yeah. to wrap up the guys? Go out there and have fun, man. Okay, good. I love the game of football, man. I'm going to go out there and play. It's the only way I know how all right, go get him. Calais Campbell, good luck. I hope, uh, like I say, I hope the uh, the soup air gets in touch with you so we can make that. Uh, just uh, remember your friend Dave if that ever happens. If the Campbell soup. I, I will. Okay, I cool. That. All right, good. All right, take care, man. Hopefully we'll see you next week. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Dave Damashek. All right, that's that. Thanks to Calais Campbell. We'll see him next week. Hopefully we'll see some of you next week walking around Phoenix, Arizona, Glendale, Arizona. You know what I recommend you do, by the way? If you do see us, Handsome Hank loves nothing more than to be hugged. So go up there and just give him a big hug. <laughs> Black, tie. Black Tie likes a spank on the bum. That's what he likes, just, too. But so, you have to say good job at the same time. That's right, yeah. So, so go good ahead. Good job, and do Black Tie. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a basketball playing thing. Yeah, you yeah. go around checking, you know, hey, yeah, good job. Right. Good game, so, good game, guys. Hugs for Handsome, slaps on the tuchus for uh, for Black Tie, and no Dave, eye contact Don't high-five Dave. Whatever you do, don't high-five. He only likes the high ten. He also loves the uh, <laughs> <laughs> He loves the uh, jumping chest bumps, too. Yeah. Oh, Dave is all about those. As long as you don't make eye contact with <laughs> yeah. me. That's why I'm unnerved yeah. by that sort of thing. So, all right, Drew Stat- Statton, you'll be out there as well? Yeah, feel free to bring me bourbon. Oh, okay. So everybody's got something. And, everyone's and, got a thing. And, of course, Smelly, it could use some uh, some body spray. <laughs> yeah, some, something shower. like that. Just I just like people that don't shower, so please hug Hank if you haven't showered. <laughs> All right, we will have a uh, positively gay time, I am sure, of it uh, next week. In Arizona, hope you'll be following along, like I say, NFL.com. The NFL Live show is 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. East. Is that right, Black Tie? I think so. Or, or no, that's, no, that would be Pacific. Local, 10 local, to 1. Local. 10 local. to 1, Mountain. so that would be 1 to 4 East. Uh, no, no, because we're no. in mountain time in Phoenix. <laughs> oh, I just got time zones. Yeah, yeah. I thought Phoenix was Pacific. It's not. No, it's Very not. Very confusing. Fun fact. 
So no. just put cheer? on NFL.com <laughs> and leave it hope. on, and then it'll <laughs> I just be there. Hope. But I do know we have a gangbusters list of uh, of guests that'll be visiting with me and Money and uh, and Rank and Molly Karam. So be on the lookout for that. All right, enough's enough. We bid good day to Studio 66 on the Glendale, Arizona. In the meantime, thanks so much for it's been a thin slice of time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.